This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Would you turn with me to Romans, the second chapter? My heart has been encouraged again this morning how God has worked through the music, using our musicians, how God has worked this past week in Pastor Ned's heart and choosing our music, and even events before the service. I was walking into church, and Pastor Coles passed me, and he goes, rough week, wasn't it? (laughs) The answer is yes. There are things that I cannot even talk about this morning that have made this week very difficult, but at the top of the list, of course, is the shooting that happened in Nashville. The more we learn about it, the more we learn it was actually an attack against biblical truth. Because the perpetrator of the violence knew what the Bible said, had been told what the Bible said, made her angry, and she went back to settle a score. From what we understand, she was looking for the pastor who had been counseling her with what God said, and he didn't find her, so it's believed that he went after the pastor's nine-year-old. It should not escape us as God's people that folks died this week for believing what we do here. If you know God and you fear him and love his word, people paid the price this week for believing what the Bible says and believing what you believe. I will admit to this flock this morning that recent days have been difficult for me. I watch Christians whose love for Christ is turning cold and turning away from the faith altogether. Say, Pastor, what can we pray for you about? Don't don't necessarily pray for me. I want you to pray for me, but would you pray for the younger generations coming up? Would you pray for the young couples in our church who are being influenced by this world? They won't admit it, but they are. They're making pragmatic decisions that go against the word of God and simple obedience to the scriptures. Now, the fact is they're using moralistic excuses which are simply this, they're deceiving themselves so they can do what they want. But it's, it's happening in Christendom today. It grieves my heart. It also grieves me because it's not preparing us for what's ahead. Your walk with God either will help you in more difficult days or you're going to collapse. Maybe I could compare it this way. We've got some Christians who have locked the pilot out of the cockpit. They think everything is going to run smoothly on autopilot, and they're trusting the flotation devices under the seat. Have you ever thought about that? If this plane goes down, my hope is this flotation device under my seat. And I'm not even over water. 
Now, I don't want to discourage you from flying, okay? There are some realities, and spiritually there are some realities that we, we have to take a good hard look at. Again, we've witnessed another school shooting, but this time it was a young woman who returned to a Christian school where she had heard biblical truth, and she killed three children and three adults. How could anyone kill innocent people in a school? How can Christians be so cold towards their Lord and the good things that he requires of them? How, how does this happen? This week, Renee sent me a link to a podcast where a fellow Christian named Eric Erickson said some excellent things that brought clarity to what is happening around us, the disintegration that's happening in our society. Now, I don't know this gentleman well, except that he's got a clear salvation testimony, and what he had to say was biblical. And so because he stated the truth, I'm going to quote him this morning. But he was a help to me. He shared that his wife has been battling cancer for six years. He is also connected to the ministry in Nashville where the shooting happened. He has an atheist friend that asked him this. How can you believe in a God who allows your wife to have an incurable form of cancer? This past week, people asked him the same question. How can you believe in a God who would allow three children, including the pastor's child and three employees, to be killed by a shooter? Have you asked yourself any of those questions this week? Now what was astounding to Erickson and to me was that people were saying other things after the shooting happened that really betray our lack of spiritual depth and understanding. For instance, one man named David Pakman tweeted that Christians must not have prayed enough because if they had been praying enough, God would not have or God would have prevented this from happening. Do you have enough knowledge of this book to be able to answer that in your own mind? I heard someone in the media say this. They actually said this. We need to stop talking about praying for the victims' families and talk seriously about gun control. So is there an answer to all this? And the answer is yes, there is. Eric Erickson gave the answer in the form of a question. I'd like to uh, hitch my wagon to the biblical truth that he mentioned from the scripture that he developed. As believers, we need to boldly ask this, how can you not believe in God? Let's start there. How can you not believe in God? Now, it's obvious people believe in evil, like a school shooting. We need to stop the violence. So they do believe in evil, but this suggests that they also believe in good. And if you believe in good, you must believe in a standard for what is good. But where does the good come from? And what is the standard? Now stay with me. I'm going to ask you to think this morning. Who gets to decide what is really good and right? 
Everyone agrees it's wrong to murder innocent children in a school. But do you really believe this standard comes from society? From this society that has murdered 62.5 million babies through abortion. Oh, we're against school shootings, but we think the other's okay? What kind of a standard is that? Where does that come from? Or is it just possible this morning that we were made in the image of God and therefore we instinctively know right and wrong because God's basic law is written in our hearts? What I just said is exactly what Romans chapter 2 teaches. It's exactly what God says. So you're in chapter 2. Would you look at verse 14? For when the Gentiles, which have not what? They don't know the book of Moses. Which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are or become a law unto themselves. Now let's pause for a moment. So what I just said, it's wrong to shoot up a school, but it's okay to kill an unborn baby. What kind of a twisted standard is that? Well, the Lord addresses that in verse 14. They become a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. All right, so what is this teaching? Because we're made in the image of God, every one of us has God's basic law written in our hearts. You can have a neighbor who has never entered a church house, but he knows you can't steal stuff out of his garage. How does he know that? Basic law. You can go to Africa or some other place where they believe in polygamy and he can have six wives, but you can't have any of the six. Well, where'd that come from? He's never heard the name Jesus, but he's got basic law written in his heart because he's made in the image of God. Now, will they be judged by this law written in their hearts? Yes or no? Look at verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by or through Jesus Christ, he's the judge, according to my what? Gospel. So Paul says, according to the gospel, oh yeah, they'll be judged. Every one of us will be judged. What does the gospel teach? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, the wages are death. The paycheck for sinning is death, and we've all sinned. What's that mean? We all face death. All right, so we're going to meet Jesus. The scripture says so. And so this, the first witness to God, which causes men and women and young people to be accountable is this. It's the conscience. It's the law of God written in hearts. 
By the way, there is also a second witness, and we find this witness in chapter 1. If you'll just go back, Romans 1, this is really the first witness. The second witness is conscience. The first witness is the Holy Spirit gives us these texts. The first witness is creation. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, and say the last phrase in the verse with me, so that they are without excuse. See, there's judgment again. And God is holding man accountable based on what witness? Creation. Just look outside. Look at all that has been made. It's better than intelligent design. It's God said. And there it was. I'll be honest with you, I'm frustrated about all this science talk. Science is only as good as it meets my purposes, evidently. Because science teaches me that if I throw a hand grenade into a junkyard, it's not going to create a 747. It's going to create more of a mess. But there's this big bang, understand, where everything just happened to come together and here we are. Now, I've walked sidewalks and seen people that make me tempted to believe the big bang. That wasn't very nice. I retract that statement. Okay. What really bothers me is they grow up and have kids. I, you know, so anyway. But. but the reality is, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Therefore, based on creation, we're without excuse. Now, based on that witness of creation, notice verse 21. Here's what we can glean from the creation. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So if you see creation, and you're willing to believe a lie, evolution, it's, we're here by chance. Again, nothing in science works that way, but, but that's who we are. <clears throat> if you believe that, that's empty reasoning. It'll bring darkness into your heart. And God's assessment of that, verse 22, is this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I'll say it, Darwin was a fool. He did a lot of study of creation and his conclusion, by the way, which he recanted later. His conclusion was very different. Why? Because of his darkened heart. And so these two witnesses point us to God. If you read on in Romans 1, and our time does not permit us this morning, it goes on to show the darkness, the decline, and the demise of those who reject the witness of creation. So here's the point. We need to understand that evil is the absence of God. Did you catch that? 
Evil is the absence of God. This country has decided we're too smart and great to need God. And so we've tried to toss him on the trash pile of irrelevance. When you see evil, you know what it is? It's the absence of God. But God can't be absent, amen? He can't be absent. He's there, he sees, he knows, and what's happening proves he's right. He's right. We're so smart that we've looked at the things which were made and concluded that they got here millions of years before anyone could be here to see what happened. In Genesis 1, Scripture says God made man male and female. The Nashville shooter was a female who convinced herself she could be a male. She had gone to that school in Nashville, and then she decided to move on from God. Evil is the absence of God. You can choose not to believe in God, but when you do, what do you choose to believe in? You choose to believe you. And any honest person says, this person can make mistakes. I can see things, but not really see things. I can think things, and I can be completely off in what I'm thinking. I make mistakes. I fail. I am fallible. <clears throat> but I'm going to stake life and eternity on what's between these ears. How foolish. Evil is the absence of God. So today we need to look at the victor on the cross to get our answer to the violence that we see all around us. Would you help me and let's, let's go together the scripture. Let's see the victor on the cross. Uh, Jesus knew the fickleness of men's hearts. He knew what was in the heart of man. In fact, one day he rode on a donkey into a city. They shouted, Hosanna. He that comes in the name of the Lord. The same people that just days later would shout crucify. A form of godliness, but they didn't know God. And so I've entitled the message, The Victor Over Violence. The Victor Over Violence. And again, if you know your Bible, you know that to know God is to know the Prince of Peace. But know God, N-O God, no peace. Now, if you accept there is a divine creator, you must ask, why would your God allow children to be gunned down at a school? Why would your God allow someone to get cancer that is, uh, in all probability, one day going to take his or her life? What about that God? If God is good and all-powerful, why does he not stop the evil? The answer is this, God himself did not escape, did not choose to escape the evils of this world, but chose to walk through those evils with us. There was a perfect creation and a perfect garden and two perfect people in that garden. 
But then they decided to move on from God. And when they made that decision to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they went against God. They went away from God. And by the way, when God came looking for them, that's who God is. They had run and hid. They, they didn't want to see God. So Garden of Eden was normal. Everything since the Garden of Eden, it's not normal. So let's start with the reality that what God created was good and normal, and when man rebelled against God, now it's a mess. Can we agree to that? And yet, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent his son into this violent, awful place knowing that what we were doing to each other, we'd do to him. Romans 5.8, But God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8, Galatians 4, 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, subjected himself to the same standard that condemns us, but because he was sinless man and all God, he fulfilled the law. He didn't break any of it. Made under the law, why? To redeem them that are under the law and condemned by the law because of our sin, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Full benefits being a child of God. That's what Jesus did. God's law matters because that is the standard by which we'll be judged. So what is the standard for good and right? God's law. That reflects his character. It is who he is. Then, is it any surprise to us, the society is trying to get rid of any display or mention of the Ten Commandments. We don't want him to be our standard for what is right. We don't want him to rule over us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. And how did God respond? Not that way. He laid on his son the iniquity of us all. Wow. This week, it's estimated that 3 billion people will celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means between 7 and 8 billion will not. What the people in the Nashville school, they again, from every indication, evangelical Christians, what they're relying on, those hurting families today, what they're relying on to get them through is not the absence of God but the fact that that same God entered into this broken mayhem that is the result of sin. He became our sin and through his death and resurrection won our eternal salvation. That's what they're counting on. That's what the choir sang about this morning. It is enough. He died for me. That's enough. And by the way, everything on this earth that's happening right now it is a temporary blip in light of eternity. I'm so thankful. But if you have set your anchor here, 
Please change the way you think. On the other hand, our great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, decided to move on from God. They were smarter than God. They wanted to be God. And this resulted in the chaos that we see all around us. By the way, they had two sons initially. One of those boys killed the other. Many Bible scholars think he probably just took a rock and crushed his brother's skull. Why? Because his brother chose to believe God, obey God, and he didn't want to. Don't blame guns, then you're going to have to blame rocks. We can't escape this world or the effects of sin on our own, so Christ entered this world, became our sin, paid the penalty for sin, death, so that we might be rescued. Now the Lord provides salvation for nine-year-old children, for violent offenders who will turn to him in saving faith. He also knows our grief, our sorrows, and he sorrows with those victims and the effects of sin. And so we've looked at the crisis this morning. This earth. I heard a statesman say one time. This was back during Reagan's time. This was somebody that worked in his state department. But I heard him make this statement in a forum. He said this. He said, if you were a Martian, and I don't believe in Martians, okay, but if you were a Martian circling this earth and you saw what was happening here, you would not land. And, and would you agree with me? That's been our history. All right? So let's take a closer look at what is happening in this country. Western civilization. We've had Newtown, Connecticut. Parkland, Florida, Uvalde, Texas. Many of us remember Columbine, Colorado. Not to mention shootings at concerts, theaters, synagogues. We had a mass shooting at a Walmart in Chesapeake. And just a short time before that in a government building in Virginia Beach. So what has happened in America in the past 60 years? It isn't about access to guns because that hasn't changed. Here's what's happened. We've decided we don't need God. And God has left us to our own devices and therefore we are evil. Now is there good? Well the answer is yes. We saw it when the officers in Nashville went into that school and stopped the evil. There is good. But we're in a national crisis. People say we should round up all the guns. But they're the same people who say that we need to stop talking about God. Listen carefully. Again, I believe with Erickson this past week, those two points collided head on. You can't have peace and deny the Prince of Peace. There is no peace, saith my God, to who? The wicked. That's what he said. 
I understand why some people want gun control, and I appreciate the fact they want the, the violence to stop. But they need a different standard. Again, let me quote Erickson here. He said this, What they don't understand is that when you remove God from the equation, there are no political solutions to spiritual problems. There is no political problem that will protect you from a spiritual problem. So, America is in the midst of a spiritual crisis because we have stopped fearing God. Remember what we looked at a couple weeks ago. Only fear the Lord and serve him with all of your heart. Now that's said to God's people, but to unbelievers, only fear the Lord. But we've stopped fearing him. We've stopped hating sin. We've stopped loving our neighbors. Our churches have become social clubs. We want to be liked by the world, and so we're giving them their music. We look like them, we talk like them, we, we just want to fit in and maybe, just maybe they'll get interested in Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches. Can I say this? Many of our Bible colleges have become state schools that talk about God once in a while. Glorified youth groups at best, but not training centers for soldiers of the cross. Thank God for places that still teach God's word are in favor of distinction, want to be excellent for God, our, our colleges. Not, not, not places where on spring break those, quote, Christian kids go party with the unsaved kids. And I can tell you schools where that's exactly what happens because students in those places have told me. So Christian, the greatest expression of our love is to tell your neighbors about Jesus and in order for them to listen, you're going to have to be like Jesus. In this land, we have so deceived ourselves that we think we can control the weather, make marriage anything we want it to be, and make our, ourselves any gender we want to be. We are so spiritually blind now that hospitals are asking, and I've had mothers tell me this, are asking mothers in maternity wards what gender they are. Check the box. Excuse me, I just had a baby. You want me to trust your science for climate change and you can't figure the other out? What's the fallout? The fallout is the murder of three nine-year-olds in Nashville, a custodian, a substitute teacher, and a principal. That's the fallout. Now, until we admit that we're in a spiritual crisis and need spiritual transformation through the supernatural finished work of Jesus Christ, the problem is only going to get worse and people are going to buy more guns for fear of what is happening outside their homes and in their neighborhoods.
We need a national revival. This starts in the church turning from lying and sinning so that God can empower our witness with a light that penetrates the gross darkness. It's time for repentance to start in the house of God. I look at the book of Acts, and we'll be back in the book of Acts tonight. I see something very different than what I am witnessing in my America. Rome was in control. And it was far worse than what we're seeing. You say, what do you mean? Well, last night I watched basketball, but I didn't turn it on to see people being eaten alive in stadiums. At least in a lot of places when they do their immorality, they go into a secret place. In Rome, in, Gre in the Gre Greco-Roman Empire, to worship the gods, you did it in the open. The difference is this. We started on a Christian foundation, and young people, don't let anybody teach you otherwise. That's who we are. But we have decided... Rome didn't decide this. They got introduced to Christianity. We've decided we don't need the Christ of the Bible. That's why I fear for our nation. But that's why we as a church need to introduce this world again to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's conclude. Again, we've seen the crisis. We've, been, we've seen the Christ. And I believe that the conclusion of the matter is really this. Turn your heart to God. Give, it, give God his rightful place. We know God. Let's glorify him as God. The answer for our country is for men and women to give God his rightful place in our hearts by receiving the victor over sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Prince of Peace reigns in the human heart, the human condition changes and the violence stops. If you're listening to my voice today and you're an unbeliever, if you have asked, where is the God of those self-professed Christians in Nashville? Where is that God? Please understand we already know the answer to that. He's in heaven. He's hurting with the families that lost children and other loved ones. The God who occupies heaven's throne lost his son to murderers. But he sent his son here knowing that so that he could deliver us and give us peace. He understands and his children here understand through Scripture what happened in Nashville. Do you believe God could have prevented that? Yes or no? Of course. That's God. But what else does he say? He tells me, we're in a battle. It's warfare. He tells me that to be absent from this body, though, is a promotion. I'm with the Lord. He tells me things are going to happen on this side to help me be like Jesus, to prepare me for that side. 
He tells me all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. He tells me he is everywhere present, all-knowing, all-powerful, and everything is working just according to his plan. And oh, by the way, if I suffer for his name, there is a special reward waiting for me in heaven, and it's a privilege to suffer for him here. Don't call that a crutch. That's perspective. That's perspective. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the one who can save you from your sin, wash you clean, give you an eternal home in heaven, so that as we continue to deal with the mess here, we're in his hand. You need to turn to him for salvation today. What's a prophet, a man or a woman, if they gain the whole world and they lose their own soul? What, what benefit? What benefit if everybody this side likes you, but when you get there, God doesn't know you? You need to turn to him for salvation. Jesus has already told us, people will hate his teaching, the attacker in Nashville hated God's truth and she had, that she had been taught in the same school and she hated it to her own destruction. You need to turn to the victor who conquered sin and let him save you. And then Christian, Jesus delivered you from the penalty of sin also, but from the power of sin. Sin should not reign in your mortal body. You should not be obeying the lust thereof. You don't, the Holy Spirit of God, the conqueror of sin and death, lives in you by his spirit. If you're defeated by sin, you're contributing to the darkness and the violence in this world. And I stand behind that statement. What's necessary for evil to triumph? For good men and women to do nothing. When the sin and disobedience are dealt with, you as a believer will be a witness like you should be for Jesus Christ. Jesus died to save sinners. He died for a 28-year-old named Audrey Hale and gave her the opportunity to hear the gospel in that school and to receive him. We also know that next Sunday we'll wake up to the reality that again, changes everything for us. He is risen. He's risen. And it's that reality that gives us a profound sense of certainty. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to make all things new. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, We stand amazed before you today. We feel like the Apostle Paul on that ship in the middle of a horrible storm. And yet he had peace. And he could tell the other prisoners, the sailors, the soldiers on that ship, it's going to be okay. Because 
Lord, you had met with him during the night. Told him that they were going to survive it because you're God. And so Paul bowed his head after having everyone get something to eat and he thanked you. And Lord, it turned out just like you said. No one died in that shipwreck. You were glorified, but your word could not fail. And so, Lord, today, I don't know what you've been doing in hearts, but Lord, would you please encourage us? But help us understand that where there is no vision, no word from the Lord, no understanding of God, people perish. But to know you is to know peace. And so, Lord, meet with us in these final moments together. Lord, would you help us to say yes to whatever you have said to us. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.